This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's welcome aboard right now David Deal, two-time Super Bowl champion with the Giants and NFL analyst, WFAN in New York. Uh, see him on Giant Post game shows as well. Does it all. David, uh, good morning. Happy Thursday morning to you, brother. Thanks for the time. Happy Thursday morning, Moose and Andrew. How you doing, my brother? Uh, we're up, doing David? well. We're doing good, David, and, and a lot to get into. You know, curious about the the Thursday night affair tonight, right? And I, w- I want to hear from your perspective because you know, I, I you know, I don't love the Thursday night product. Andrew doesn't love the Thursday night product. From a from a player's perspective, though, you've heard a number of complaints here. You know, how difficult of a physical turnaround. You know, you know it. You played a very physical offensive line. You played hurt, banged up. I mean, you were as tough as they come, David. How difficult of a turnaround is it for the players to come back on a short week and play on a Thursday night? It is one of the toughest things to do as a player, especially when you become a veteran and you're older and it takes a little bit of time to recover. When you're in your 20s, you know, when you're 22, 23, 24, you know, you're recovering after a Sunday game by Tuesday. As you get older, that's creeping into Wednesday, Thursday, and sometimes into Friday. And I would say this to people. The two games that I went into a game feeling the worst physically I've ever felt were Thursday night games. We played the Broncos on Thanksgiving one year. And in 2013, my last year playing in the NFL, we played the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday the week before went to OT and had 79 offensive snaps, then had to turn around, go to Chicago, and play in Chicago on Thursday. I literally was like draped in tiger balm from head to toe, (laughs) hoping that it would make me feel better out there. Because it is. It's difficult to get ready for these games. The one thing that you do like is preparation-wise, it's easy. You're simplifying your game plan. You're running what you do best. And you hope that you have a veteran team that can react and adjust to things on the fly and be more adept to it. But physically, it's so hard. And David, along those same lines, I would think you, you'd want no part of a 17-game schedule then, right? No chance. I mean, when you watch some of these games, Moose, you and I have talked about this. When you get to week 15, 16, and 17, some of these games you're watching are like the battle of attrition. Teams are just trying to fill their roster they're pulling guys off of the street for special teams. And it's one of the toughest things to watch is when you're watching a product that's not that good. In 2003, my rookie season, I'll never forget, week 17, we're playing the Carolina Panthers. At this point, Jim Fossil already knows that he's no longer going to be the head coach of the Giants. And we have 23 players on injured reserve. So we go out there and we're doing the old lower back stretch I go to my left, I'm fine. I go to my right, I have somebody stretching right next to me that I have never seen before in my life. (laughs) And I'm not kidding. I literally have never seen this person before in my life. It was me, actually. (laughs) I should have known. (laughs) But we signed him on Saturday 
and he was starting on our special teams on Sunday. That's, That's not a product you want out on the field. No, that is not. You're right about that, David. Um, you know, the, uh, a huge talking point certainly has been, uh, you know, about the officiating. You know, uh, David, do you think it's as big of a problem as uh, people in the media and some fans are making it out to be? No, I actually don't. I think that we're just paying more attention to it now after the Rams-Saints game. That's the thing that really picks up is when you had so much attention around one play that they're going to completely change the rules that the coaches wanted, mind you, not the referees. The coaches wanted this change to this pass interference rule. It's absolutely ridiculous. I just think that we're paying way more attention to it because of all of the incidents and all of the talking points that have happened since that Saints-Rams game. And you almost feel like the referees are almost petitioning the rule, Hmm. and that's why they're not overturning the calls. I mean, watching that Giants game up against New England last Thursday night, it was a clear pass interference on Golden Tate. But they're sticking with the rule and the call on the field, and they're not changing it. So I just think that there's so much more emphasis, and we're paying so much more attention to it. But if you go back and you look at last year, you remember the first five, six weeks, the lowering of the helmet, how much that was thrown, and then they finally adjusted it. I just think we're paying more attention to it this year than we ever have before. So last year was lowering the head. This year it was pass interference and offensive holding. Those were the emphasis things that the NFL referees were coming into the league with. So you almost know that as a player on Sunday or on Saturday nights before the game, you know, you usually know what officiating crew you have. Okay, this is crew is number one in holding, number two in pass interference. So you know what these referees are looking for when you're going into that game. David, I want to go back to the game tonight. Uh, the Chiefs have lost two in a row, and maybe the main theme through those two losses is they're just getting crushed in terms of time of possession. Um, is that more about their offense not staying on their field or the defense not getting off the field in your mind? That's 100% of keeping Patrick Mahomes off of the field. I mean, when you have an offense like this that can strike and can put up major points, your whole goal and objective is control the time of possession and limit the amount of snaps that they can have offensively. I mean, go back to 2007 when we played the Patriots in Super Bowl 42. Our opening drive was nine minutes. That was one of our goals was we need to control the time of possession and keep Tom Brady off of the field. I remember going back and then watching the tape after, and what did you see? You just saw him pacing the sidelines, wanting to get out there. That's what you need to do as an offense when you're facing a juggernaut like the Chiefs have on the offensive side of the ball. You've got to control the time of possession. You've got to make sure that you win third downs. And the big thing is is 3-2-1 is a rule that we always say. No more than three penalties by the offense, two by the defense, one by the special teams. If you stick to those rules up against a great offense like this, this is what gives you an opportunity to win. Like we've seen the through the you know, the the, the blueprint that we've seen through the Detroit Lions and from the Indianapolis Colts up against this Chiefs team. You know, uh, David, uh, to San Francisco we go next. How about the 49ers here? You know, they sent a message last week when they went into Los Angeles and just beat up on the Rams. I mean, Goff having under 100 yards, under 80 yards passing on the game. They go on the road. It's not a matchup against Washington. I mean, they'll beat Washington and should do it decisively. 
But are you a 49er believer in terms of what they showed last week and that this organization and this team has arrived? I'm a Kyle Shanahan believer. The way that he's able to dial up game plans for his offense, for his running back, considering the fact both of his starting offensive tackles are out, I mean, it says a lot about him for the way that he's able to scheme strengths and weaknesses of his players, you know, sometimes going two tight ends, sometimes going three tight ends. I mean, figure you had Staley, McGlinchey, and Juszczyk all out of that game last week. Those are your three best blockers on the offensive side of the ball. So when you're able to still tailor game plans to that and run the football effectively, regardless of which running back's in there, says a lot about your offensive coordinator. That's what's going to scare me a little bit down the road for this 49ers team. You know, Staley's out for the year with his fibula. McGlinch will be back with his knee. But how long will they be able to sustain on the offensive side of the ball without those two guys? And I guess Defensively, I'm... they remind me of our 07 and 11 teams, the way that they can rotate on the inside. They can move defensive end to the defensive tackle position going up against the guard which we used to call the NASCAR package. So you got a, a fast on a big. And the way that Bose is playing his rookie season, it's nothing but encouraging. But the thing that, like I said, that still scares me is just offensively, the fact that they don't have both of their offensive tackles currently. Uh, I guess the flip side of that question, David, is how worried are you about the Rams after that loss on Sunday? I mean, I definitely am worried about the Rams. Obviously, they went out and made a huge trade for Jalen Ramsey. You know, Wade Phillips is trying to get back to his Super Bowl Broncos team where they can rush the quarterback, play press man on the outside, and get after the quarterback. That's something that you're not getting with Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters needs to be a, a off-zone coverage corner. That's not what Wade Phillips wants to do. And with the magnitude of everything that the Rams have going and what they can possibly be, Jalen Ramsey could be that missing piece. Because that split second longer that that quarterback holds the football, that's all it takes for Aaron Donald to get home and get a quarterback set or a quarterback hit. So I, I think that they've obviously taken their lumps. I don't think that they're going to have a full Super Bowl hangover like we've seen in the past. But I, I do think that they do worry you some when you look at offensively, them not running the football effectively. Todd Gurley, we really don't know his health status. And the big thing for their offensive line was last week, once again, they had two new starters in there. And figure this is a completely re, uh, rebuilt group on the inside. Roger Saffold, their best left guard last season and their best offensive lineman is on Tennessee. And then figure Sullivan's not playing center for him either. So you know it was going to take some time and some cohesion for them on the inside, but you didn't think it would take this long. Mark Melusis, Andrew Bogus, chatting here with David Deal, two-time Super Bowl champion with the Giants, NFL analyst, WFAN in New York, Giants postgame shows all over the place. Hey, David, one of the fascinating matchups this weekend I'm looking forward to is Colts and Texans out in Indianapolis. Last time we saw Indy, they were imposing their will on Kansas City. Can they do the same thing on Houston this weekend at home that they did on Kansas City, win at the point of attack, and kind of minimize the impact of the dynamic Deshaun Watson at quarterback? Well, that's what they're going to have to do if they're going to want to win this football game. Obviously, the way that the Texans are playing on the defensive side of the ball, eighth against the run on their run defense, to allow them to get after quarterbacks and get after them opposing with Watt, Merciless, and the rest of the group. But the problem is, is even though they can get after it in the run game, 
when you look at them in third down, they're 26th in the NFL, the Texans, on the defensive side of the ball. So if this Colts offense that we've seen go in there, which is fourth in rushing, that is third in giving up the least amount of sets, can be productive on first and second down, that's what's going to allow them to impose their will and dictate the tempo of the football game up against the Texans. And believe it or not, I actually believe the Colts are going to win this game. David, it's a sad day around here with his retirement. Uh, what will you remember most about Brock Osweiler? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess the fact that he uh, he went in and, and was able to rob money from NFL owners without wearing a ski mask. <laughs> <laughs> is that a good enough answer? That's good. That's yeah. a good answer. That is a, that is a good answer. Uh, 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 David, curious about the Browns here. Um, you know, Beckham, they bring him in, you know, the dynamic wide receiver from the Giants. They had Landry. You know, Mayfield's really struggled. You've seen some issues in terms of Kitchens as a first-year head coach in the National Football League. You know, for the, for the Brown fan that is really concerned about this team and where they are right now, and certainly with the second-year quarterback, Baker Mayfield, what would be the message here for the Browns right now? I would say uh, I would be concerned if I was a Browns fan. You know, you had all these expectations coming in to this football season, yet when you look back, this is a team that was barely 500 up against 500 teams. So you had to go in not believing the hype. And then we always say talk is cheap, play the game. It comes down to winning games on Sundays. And for the Browns, you hope offensively for Baker Mayfield's sake and for their sake, get back to your damn identity. We know last season the success of your offense went going through Nick Chubb, a running game, and getting play action off of it. Baker Mayfield plays his best when he's rolling, when he's anticipating, and when he's reacting, and not when you have him in shock and sitting there overthinking everything and trying to make the perfect throw and hit everybody in stride. That's not his game. You need him to be the loose cannon type of player, and the only way to do that is to establish a run game with Nick Chubb because that's what will settle down and ease their offensive line, which isn't a good one, into games so they can be aggressive and provide the amount of protection Baker Mayfield and this offense need to be successful. David, could you see Freddie Kitchens being one and done as a head coach? I mean, it's a possibility. I mean, we've seen it before. We saw it last season. So I don't think that that's something that you can rule out based upon we heard all offseason. Well, I'm going to let guys be their own identity. I'm going to let guys be their own personality. Well, what happens now when adversity hits and that personality might start disrupting the locker room? That's what you really have to worry about, and that's what a first-year head coach has to worry about. It's not just what he was, was an offensive play caller. Now you're, you're in charge of that locker room. You're in charge of everything, and your duties are much more than just dialing up game plans. And sometimes people can handle it, and sometimes people can't. Hey, David, we all know Belichick's the best coach in the National Football League. I'll tell you this, you know, the guy that's right behind him, and I know it might be a little bit of a distance, the job that Pete Carroll has done up in Seattle – the ageless wonder. Um, I mean, it is it is unbelievable. People get on him for being Mr. Ra-Ra, Sis-Boom-Ba. I mean, but he is able, and you got to have players, and Wilson's playing like an MVP of the league this year. But the adjustments that he and his staff make uh, based on personnel losses is really miraculous. He's done an unbelievable job up in Seattle. He really has. And, you know, people always say that, well, that Ra-Ra, Sis-Boom-Ba. If you've ever sat down with Pete Carroll, that's who he is. That's what type of person he is 
24 hours a day, 365 days a week. So when you can reinvent yourself as a coach like that, be the oldest head coach in the NFL, which is crazy to think about because you never think of that when you see him during a game, and be able to adjust and talk to veteran players and younger players, not many people can do that. Think about when he took off his shirt with D.K. Metcalf after they drafted him. What other coach would do that? But Metcalf was laughing. Younger guys get involved in it, and he can get in a locker room and motivate guys week in and week out. So you may believe, oh, well, it's all hype. It isn't. That's who he is all the time. He's got a great birthday. We both were born on September 15th, and we celebrated a birthday together. <laughs> so I've got nothing but respect for what Pete Carroll has done in Seattle. And and this is almost an entirely second act up there. I mean, Russell is still there, obviously, and some other holdover guys, but they come off the Super Bowl loss, and the defense kind of slowly falls apart, and they have to get rid of some guys and bring new people in. And now they didn't necessarily go all the way down to the studs, um, but he's brought them back up to being an elite team in the NFC again. Absolutely. I mean, you think about the whole Legion of Boom being completely gone because at some point after you pay everybody at the same time, as they get older, you're going to start releasing them and you've got other areas of concern of where you've got to spend that money. So I think that both uh, him and John Schneider, the GM, have done a tremendous job in Seattle, you know, starting from scratch, rebuilding. But throughout that time, it wasn't like Seattle was getting killed offensively or defensively just because of the sheer way that Russell Wilson was able to play and Bobby Wagner on the defensive side of the ball. You know, final one for me, David, is this Lions-Vikings this weekend in Detroit. Uh, number one, do you think Cousins has turned a corner a little bit mentally uh, with the way that he's played the past couple of weeks and had a really good game this past week at home against Philadelphia? And this Lion team should, I mean, they should not have lost the game against the Packers. They should have beat the Chiefs. I mean, they might be, you know, right now, instead of being, you know, a team that's sitting there at 2-2-1, they really should be 4-0-1 this year. Patricia's, you know, second year, they've been, you know, he's done a really nice job this year so far, Matt Patricia has. They really have, especially when you look at how much the defense has changed and upgraded on that side of the ball. I mean, that was their big issue was them. on the defensive side of the ball, making sure that they were getting people off of the field, getting takeaways, and in the red zone, they were just getting salvaged last year. But the way that they were able to bounce back, I mean, you talked about it. They should have won that game in Arizona. They shouldn't settle it with a tie. But, you know, offensively, their whole big thing for the Lions is having an effective run game to take away some of the pressure for Matthew Stafford and Kenny Galladay. That's the whole big thing that you know that the Lions have to do offensively to aid their defense because their defense doesn't have a lot of depth and they're not real thick uh, in regards to how many people that they can interchange. A lot of times you're watching defensive lines and it's almost like hockey line shifts, two in, two out, three in, three out. They don't have that depth now. That's why it's important for the offense to control the time of possession. And let's, for me, I want to see it out of Kirk Cousins for a long extended period of time because you could say, well, over the last two games he's thrown six touchdowns to one interception, well, the first four, he threw three touchdowns and two interceptions and wasn't near as well as what he looked these last two weeks. So I want to see the whole body of work. But as time tells and as history tells, when it comes to those big games, Kirk Cousins does not have it. Hey, David, great stuff as always. Uh, I'll see you on Sunday for the show on the fan and uh, enjoy the rest of your Thursday, all right? Thanks, you guys, too. Have a great one, Moose. Nice talking to you, Andrew. Same here, David. You got it. David Deal, two-time Super Bowl champion with the Giants. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.